1987, thousands of AIDS activists around the United States began confronting doctors, biomedical researchers and federal health officials in visually arresting angry and provocative demonstrations. This new wave of AIDS activism focused on the organization and pace of research on AIDS treatments. The messages were not subtle. At one scientific forum, activists handed out cups of Kool-Aid as a prominent researcher came to the podium, likening him to the cult leader Jim Jones. When the commissioner of the FDA came to speak at a public forum in Boston, activists in the audience held wristwatches aloft. Time was running out, they implied. In October of that year, more than a thousand demonstrators converged on FDA headquarters in Rockville, Maryland to seize control of what some labeled the Federal Death Administration. Fast forward to 1992. A subset of these same activists now sat as regular voting members on the committees of ACTG, the AIDS Clinical Trials Group, an entity established by the NIH to oversee all AIDS research. Serving alongside the most prominent AIDS researchers in the US, including the one who had been compared to Jim Jones, activists now worked with scientists to determine the most profitable profitable research directions, debate research methodologies, and allocate research funds. Activists also served on institutional review boards at research hospitals around the country, evaluating the methods and ethics of clinical trials of AIDS drugs. At conferences where once they had shouted from the back of the room, activists now chaired sessions and their publications such as San Francisco-based AIDS treatment news had become routine sources of information about AIDS therapies for many doctors around the world. The aptitude of AIDS treatment activists in understanding the science behind such matters was widely acknowledged by prominent experts. As Dr. John Fair, a former chair of the executive committee of ACTG, commented in 1994, I would put them up against many, many physicians, including physicians working in AIDS care. They can be very sophisticated. I am Ratandeep Singh and this is Understanding Science Communication Podcast, episode number 9, I think. Yes, I guess, I hope. And this is the first two paragraphs of uh, the chapter labeled Democracy, Expertise and AIDS Treatment Activism by Stephen Epstein from the book called Science, Technology and Democracy. Uh, which was published in 2000, the year 2000. And uh, this is a chapter that we have been given to study. And uh, before the next module, uh, the next block of the Science and Society module. And this is the start of this chapter. It's a fascinating chapter, fascinating story about how the the common people, the people who were being affected by the, the the actual research, the patients and the the activists uh, outside the scientific community became a part of the scientific an integral an integral part of the scientific community. Why did that happen? How did it happen? Um, the whole chapter is about that, and let's 
see the answers. tables and shouting for their voices to be heard by the people in charge managed to get themselves along with the experts sitting at the same table within four years how did this happen under what circumstances can this happen in other areas how can lay people challenge institutions and their course of action and what are the consequences of uh, doing such a thing are they all positive or there some negatives um this chapter takes um this aids um treatment activism story and decides to study if this sort of uh, phenomena this sort of phenomenon can happen elsewhere can we learn something from it can we improve upon it and things like that all right so why did this happen the first uh, point it uh, tells us is um, well we need to first of all revisit not revisit i'll in just just um, point out in the last episode episode number 8 we had discussed how regular people normal people actually um understand science and a lot of most of the science that we come to believe in and uh, understand uh, we don't truly truly understand at the deepest level at the level uh, of a scientist we understand them to our own satisfaction and then we um let some form of um authority or call to credibility take over the scientific credibility is something that is important in the day to day life i mean you can't um, get to know your own truths at the level of uh, imp- true empirical data in every field well in in some ways you do do that and you include this scientific credibility into this equation of making sense of the world right we we listen to scientists and we believe them um only because we find them credible 
right so that credibility equation is still a part of our we still build our own truths everyone has to build their own truths but it includes the scientific credibility and that that scientific credibility has aspects of authority and legitimation and trust and persuasion as well um some people are better persuade persuaders um some are not and this is what we learned in the last episode we will keep revisiting that chapter that dot uh, that um that podcast that uh, idea that understanding from the oxford handbook of science of science communication uh, chapter number 3 um we'll keep keep thinking about that and uh, reflecting on that over the next few episodes and maybe even further than that and include that in other parts of our uh, understanding of science communication but um for here it can tell us this one thing that scientific credibility can be lost you can lose scientific credibility because of some actions uh, done by uh, scientists and science communicators um uh, that uh, we need to learn from and we need to understand and how to improve upon them and figure out how they don't happen again Us- usually credibility comes from academic degrees and research track records and institutional affiliations um and um, this is the conventional path but in this story that scientific credibility actually came from other multiple different pathways this convoluted roots uh, to the resolution of uh, what the real science is what the resolution of what uh, controversy surrounds uh, this uh, aids treatment research and um how do we construct our beliefs and this came because of um um this lack of credibility from the people who were uh, well first of all i think of that era in the 1980s um it's the the, um, the united states it's the it's at the top of the world it's uh, booming economically it's it the, the standard of living is going up um the culture is booming everything looks bright the future is bright and um, nothing is um, impenetrable everything is thought to be under reach we've already uh, conquered the moon and um, things look bright um everywhere and lo and behold aids this um this disease that's killing thousands of people young uh, people um intelligent smart people people who are um, a part of uh, the economy and it really hampers the the economical um structure i guess uh, in some ways there was this ambivalence this doubt that creeps in like how can this happen are we losing the plot will we lose the plot against this this ambivalence uh, this these two stark differences between the image of uh, united states at that time and um, the reality the ground reality of people just dying of this new disease and no one is um, able to do anything about it it's we are helpless in front of it mm, and it, that created a space uh, for new voices um 
new voices that came from people who were actually impacted by this uh, new disease uh, because as we know the f- initially this disease was called grids gay related immunodeficiency syndrome which um, impacted the homosexual population first and um, which constitutes of white middle class men right powerful group powerful group um the history is skewed towards them if you're white you're middle class and you're a man and you have a degree of uh, political clout you you will use it and um this was not present in any other uh, oppressed groups um so this was unique to them that they had this fundraising cap- capacity which was unusual um in other oppressed groups like women or minorities which were poor so this was the the unfairness of history as well you can say um that um this was possible it was even possible because of the already available already present inequalities um they had a lot of cultural capital as well the homosexual community uh vibrant and um um they had uh, connections they had political connections and everything and they had the the willpower um because of that to do something about it to face the the the, the institutions they also had skeptical views of medical authorities because of the homosexual repression uh, that had happened before in the b- previous decades where they were um, labeled as victims or um, patients they were the the homosexual the homosexuality was labeled as a disease to be treated so they already did not they were skeptical about the the medical authorities what they were saying they were they thought that we because the disease is um confined more, more or less to the homosexual population um it is not being taken seriously um they wanted more control over what happens another factor was that there were a lot of doctors and scientists and educators and nurses and other in- intellectuals in that population um just again the unfairness of history um these groups um the homosexuality is not um, something that um happens to uh, children of other homosexuals anyone can be homosexual um uh, which means they come from all walks of life all socio economic background and this helped in their favor also another factor uh, the lesbian community um was already well versed with the the and they were taught by the school of feminism how to uh, the the feminist health movement um because uh, before that the um the the feminine issues of um, in medicine had to be um i don't know much about it but i guess if they are referring to the the sexuality of women and how not to trust everything your uh, male doctor um, is saying they already 
uh, wanted the control to be in the hands of patients patients should be making decisions um more than the doctors they already had those ideas in the mind also the same community this whole community was also part of the peace movement and the the um the um and the whole um, era of um, protests against institutions the institution of war the vietnam war uh, that happened in the 60s and 70s this this whole group the counterculture was a part of this group so they had a lot of knowledge they had to sum up everything they had first of all they had the political capital and they had the means and resources and they had the knowledge base and they have information they have some schooling on how to protest how to make actual activist actual change um so a lot of uh, interesting ideas came up first thing they said was we don't want to be labeled as victims we are not victims we are not patients with aids we are not suffering from aids we are people with aids they created this group called aids coalition to unleash power which uh, this the acronym of which is act up which was comprised of in your face politics with um, people who comprised this had already again worked in the peace movement and the, they were from the punk subculture and the, the gay liberation and their means were uh, in your face a street theater attracting news cameras uh, l- looking at attention taking attention getting attention where uh, wherever possible and uh, they set up buyers clubs where illegal um and non fda approved drugs were al- were uh, through the loopholes of um, the law were being sold or being given to aids patients um um and uh, so they had they had a lot of uh, push behind them they have a lot of uh, they had a lot of um, um things that helped them definitely through the fairness or unfairness of uh, uh, something they some some part of it they built themselves um and they struggled to build and some part was just uh, handed over to them everything is like that right in the world um a, a bit here a bit there so there <clears throat> the the ways of their uh, um this whole idea first of all runs counter to the view that science must be safeguarded from external pressures in order to prevent the defo- deformation of knowledge right um that's the idea it should be independent of any political uh, pressure to do correct science but this this view was heavily challenged in this story in this uh, movement this is heavily challenged um and uh, rightly so the, they were suffering there were a lot of things that the, the researchers were actually not doing uh, researchers were biased against minorities and uh, women um because of the nature of the the world at that time the the old style they were more um um there were it could have been 
just because it it's uh, it has to be left alone just because it uh, science has to be independent doesn't mean it has to be slow it can be pushed through with some rigor and uh, understanding and um, some 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 political will towards finding the <clears throat> the solution quickly because time is running out what did they do what was the first step they, these activists did was they educated themselves in methodologies of research in the different drugs available in different um, new ideas that were coming up uh, virology and um, everything else they could like j- they just got knowledge up they um they really got themselves um at a at a level where they could debate properly with the scientists second thing they did was they became a bridge between patients and researchers they became a bridge in the sense that the the patients the people suffering from people with aids um their terminology um would go to them first the activists first and get them get themselves registered to get proper understanding and proper um uh, benefits of the latest research this helped them um, this definitely helped the patients because someone was actually actively fighting for them and they actually helped the researchers because a lot of studies are done um suffer from um, um subject dropouts people just drop out of studies people just drop out of um, halfway and the 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 percentage of people who finish the studies way less usually uh, in some cases and um the researchers were not actually focusing on um like again minorities and women and these um, activists forced them to keep it open for everyone so that you can get the best data you can get best data from all walks of uh, for people from all walks of life people from all uh, different um, subgroups demographics um <clears throat> so this was the second a uh, thing they did a third thing they did was they actually then put themselves in to the the design of uh, trials and um, the the actual um, changing of the methodologies and really debating them uh, debating the scientists and challenging them at every step of the way to improve their methodologies improve their um, idea of what ca- what is possible and uh, the fourth thing they did was a uh, kind of like a divide and conquer policy they um tried to they 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 made some inroads into like the, the people having debates between uh, debates between different groups um, of scientists um were actually um um infiltrated by these activists who managed to create doubt amongst them amongst the scientists in order to get some more um, power in this uh, area so these these kind of tactics actually helped a lot in uh, what happened um the 
scientists actually became um really well um really they were they were impressed they were impressed by what was happening they were impressed by people's uh, understanding uh, dr anthony fauci who's now a famous uh, personality because of uh, coronavirus uh, research he used to be the director of nih um um for of aids researcher he is a prominent immunologist he said something happened along the way people started talking to each other i started to listen and read what activists were saying it became clear to me that they made sense so people who were at the top were um, impressed and surprised and they were moved by what people were doing uh, activists were doing but um yeah that's that's um, that's something very interesting that happened the consequences were interesting the consequences were that they, these uh, first of all people were surprised by what had happened there's a uh, there was this um understanding that this kind of a framework can be used for other things um the the other areas they actually improved some science methodologies uh, which uh, there are some examples in this chapter which i'm blanking on right now um um wait well there are other things uh, which uh, we can um, discuss on this um in this podcast about uh, what uh, i understood from it um the conclusion is that basically it does help but it can backfire a little bit there are some um th- surprising things that happened first of all the activists themselves started to um the people get div- started to divide amongst themselves a little bit because some were some had a lot of knowledge the others didn't there was this uh, class hierarchy that started to build up within activists uh, some um there was this other groups subgroups that were already present in the act in the the blacks and the whites and the the w- women and men and um, the other minorities religious groups um so that there was a lot of friction amongst them um it was uh, f- they figured out that the not figured out the, the what happened was also people who got deep into got really a lot knowledgeable actually started to have the same pitfalls as the scientists has started to show the same pitfalls of understanding as scientists themselves they they their main goal got away from getting people the best help it can uh, rather it went towards the if we can do the best science we can which usually is the same goal but sometimes not um i'm not sure of the specifics um uh, some of the science was also probably hampered um it was written that there, there is some um, there's some effect of hype like and, and something new is discovered and it is hyped amongst the activist group the, this group of um people who were not perfectly um 
um, trained in the sciences and how science works. So the this hype cycle um, created some problems in uh, um, making drugs um, available to public early enough, and then without um, final um, stages of research, um, and then it was determined it was thought that okay we will research later on we will do the research afterwards but then who wants to do the, be a part of research of a drug which is already available in the market right so they, these kind of things were happening but there is such um this story is so fascinating to me i had no idea that this had happened first of all I had no understanding of um, the history of the AIDS uh, ap- epidemic and how the research um, was um, accelerated by these uh, activists. This gives us a very interesting example of science communication coming from the people, people who are actively opening the box of science, opening the black box by themselves, peering in and understanding what's going on and directing and really taking a big part. This is unprecedented. This is something that is uh, that can be studied for years and understood and maybe replicated in other areas. Granted, these guys were driven by the fear of death, which is the biggest motivator, I guess. Mm. Uh, some people would disagree, but um, a lot of people would agree, I guess. Um, and they had a lot of um, unfair political clout. Some fair political clout, I guess. What is unfair? Life is unfair in a lot of ways. Uh, what can you do, I guess? But um, you still can learn something from it. Um, so, yeah. What other thoughts do I have of this? It's fascinating. This is something I need to... This I just read the uh, day before yesterday. Uh, I wanted to record it yesterday, this podcast. But I thought I should give it another read and really bring out all the information that I went through. Now, uh, in further episodes, I would probably look back on this and uh, learn something from it, I guess. I hope I do. Um, I'll definitely include this into my um, reflective critique at the end of this module, which we have to submit and definitely be a part of it. and including the last episode. So these two, eighth and ninth episodes are truly uh, something that uh, has um, made me understand something deeper about science communication and what is possible, things that are possible. And I'm grateful that I've read them. And uh, this is where I will end the podcast. Uh, Nice to do this. uh, And thanks for listening. If you're listening, uh, see you next time.